0: Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays 10am and 5 p.m. at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hey everyone, I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors at Salt Church. Happy Boxing Day! Or whatever you meant to say on Boxing Day, I don't know what you meant to say on Boxing Day, so we'll go with Happy Boxing Day. Um, welcome if you're tuning in online, great to have you tuning in with us. Uh, as I was preparing, I was thinking, what do you speak about on Boxing Day? Like, what, what is this day? It, it's sort of the brief pause between the end of one year and the start of the next. Uh, I thought, it's not Christmas, so one more Christmas talk feels a bit weird. Uh, But it's not the new year yet, so talking about New Year's resolutions in 2022, that feels weirder. But that's what we're doing. We're going to go with that. We're going to go lean into the weird. Uh, I decided we'd do that. So you shared before something that you want to have or something that you want to do in 2022. Uh, I reckon I want to work out why it's called Boxing Day. That's my goal. Uh, But maybe next year brings for you a new job or a new house or a new relationship or maybe a new child. Maybe 2022 is the year you finally get to see that thing that you've wanted to see, or you get to go to that event that's been cancelled two years in a running. Uh, maybe 2022 is the year that you're finally healthy. Uh, whatever it is, whatever your dreams are, I'm sure that you want them to happen, whatever these dreams are that you have for 2022. Because dreams, uh, they're things that we plan for, we daydream about them, we long for them, we pray about them if you're a Christian. They're really important to us, our hopes and our dreams. Uh, Our dreams, our hopes and our ambitions, our plans, they're kind of what define us as people, don't you reckon? They're what make up who we are. So what would make you drop your dreams? What would make you choose not to have what you really want to have in 2022? What would make you choose not to do what you would really love to do in 2022? Because we just met a blind man who did just that. He dropped his dreams because he can see the way that things really are. He can see with perfect clarity, even though he's blind. Uh, A man named Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus is going to work a little bit like an eye chart test for us, you know, these eye chart tests. He's going to show us, uh, give us a chance to check how well do we see reality? What's our spiritual eyesight like? Because if we can see what Bartimaeus sees, we will drop our dreams too. And if we're not willing to do that, we might be more blind than a blind man. How about I pray and then come to Mark chapter 10 and we'll look at this story about a mass. Let's pray and then we'll dig into this story. Father God, thank you that we can be here at church on a Sunday. Uh, we pray for those who aren't here that you'll keep them safe and you'll bring them back to us soon. Uh, We pray, Lord, for those uh, of us who are feeling weary or those of us who are feeling low, uh, that you'd be comforting us as we hear from your word today. We pray for those of us who are feeling distracted, that you'd take away those distractions so that we can hear you speak to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll come to the story, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. As you can tell, I'm recovering from a bit of a cold, so hopefully my voice lasts. If not, I use shorthand notes, so Michael will have to jump up, and that's going to be hilarious, because who knows what these notes mean? <laughs> so here's hoping. Uh, come to verse 46. Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. So in this story, Jesus is walking, and this massive crowd is following him, and he's been stirring up the dust and causing a stir as he travels to the capital city, Jerusalem. And he crosses paths with Bartimaeus. And there is a world of difference between Jesus and Bartimaeus. A world of difference between these two people. Bartimaeus is a beggar in a time where there's not really a welfare system, so he's utterly dependent on people's pity. Uh, If no coins fall in his beggar bowl, then he doesn't have food. But he can't even see the coins or the bowl because he's completely blind. He's kind of, Jesus is there walking, he's there sitting. He's this beggar in filthy rags, he's a hopeless, helpless man. Uh, And uh, it gets me wondering what it would be like to be blind. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be blind? I'm not blind. The closest I ever came was when my brother stabbed me in the eyebrow with a stick a couple of centimetres off. I'm really glad that he missed, though, because it strikes me that being blind would be really debilitating. Um, I looked on the Vision Australia website, and they talked about there the difficulties of being blind. Obviously, you can't see, but there's flow-on effects like communication is really difficult when you can't make eye contact with anyone and you can't pick up any of the nonverbal cues. Uh, you're dependent on people for your basic life tasks. You're, often blind people are isolated and lonely, and so there's a high incidence of depression among the blind community. Um, I'm told being blind is not, like, not like closing your eyes and just seeing black. Uh, I've heard from a blind man, it's more like trying to see out the back of your head. That there's just nothing there. We've got no sense of what's out the back of our head. Unless you're a mum, then you've got a good sense of it. But we've got no sense of what's out the back of our head. So, of the five senses, one whole sense is completely missing. Blindness would be so hard. And Bartimaeus is blind. He's got no sight, but he does have vision. He can see the way things really are. He can see three things about Jesus. The first thing he can see is that Jesus is a sovereign king. It's in verse 47. Have a look, verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is near and so he shouts to Jesus, the son of David. And we were just celebrating Christmas yesterday. We've seen the nativity scenes where the, you know, the, the stars there watching over Jesus and the sheep are there watching over Jesus and his parents, Mary and Joseph, are there watching over Jesus, not Mary and David. He's the son of David, he calls him. But we know he's the son of Mary and Joseph. So why does he call him that? Well, it links back to this promise God made to Jesus' great, great 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 grandpa whole bunch of great-grandpas. Here it is in 1 Chronicles 17. Here's what God said to, the, to David, King David. He said, "'When your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son.'" I will never take my love away from him as I took it away from your predecessor. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. This is the promise to the son of David, uh, this promise of ruling God's kingdom. Basically, it's a a universal kingdom because God is ruling everything. God is the universal king. God rules all people, God rules all planets, and it's an endless kingdom. It's king forever on this throne, because God is eternal, God rules forever, and so it's sharing in the rule of God's kingdom forever. And this is the massive promise made to the son of David, which is what Bartimaeus calls Jesus, and he's right. This is who Jesus is. Bartimaeus has got no sight, but he can see that Jesus is the son of David. He can see that Jesus is a sovereign king. Because think ahead, a week to go until we hit 2022. In 2022, there's going to be lots of leaders, lots of prime ministers, presidents, CEOs, billionaires, lots of them. But Jesus is the only ruler who is still going to be ruling in 3022, in 4022, in 4 billion and 22 He's the only ruler who will still be ruling. And Bartimaeus can see that about Jesus. Can we see it? Because if we could see this, it would change the way we view the people around us, the people in the Illawarra, who don't know Jesus. It would change the way we view them. Uh, In our culture, I think our culture prides itself on on tolerance, on this idea of tolerance, being a, a tolerant society. I think in our culture, you're free to believe whatever you want, so long as you don't hurt other people. If your beliefs hurt other people, well, there's zero tolerance for that. But if they don't hurt other people, you can believe whatever you want. Uh, there's also zero tolerance if you push your beliefs on other people. If I tell you that you're wrong and you must believe what I do, well, suddenly that's that's crossing the line. Our culture is very intolerant of that. But if Jesus is a sovereign king and he's the sovereign king over everybody who lives in, who works in, who visits the Illawarra, anyone who can't see that is wrong. They can't see reality. Because the reality is, Jesus is their king, your king, my king. All humans must follow him because he is the son of David king. See, Jesus is not an optional king. He's not a king if you're the kind of person looking for a king or if you're looking for someone to to give you some advice and some guidance in life. He's not the kind of king if you're looking for someone to follow and influence you. He is the king. He's the only one that all humans must follow. So when we say to people around us, Jesus is the king, Jesus is your king, That's not wrong. That's not rude. It's not narrow-minded. It's not harmful. It's reality. The reality. And it's impossible to overstate how significant Jesus is, how important he is. He's the son of David that God promised. He's the sovereign king. And Christians, we get this awesome privilege to show people reality. If you see what Bartimaeus sees, it'll change the way you view all the people in the Illawarra, all the people on the planet. It'll also change the way you plan in 2022. I reckon a bunch of us have plans for 2022. I've got plans. I'm sure you do too. Uh, and COVID, I think, has made it painfully obvious. We have no idea what's going to happen to our plans next year. But Jesus does. We've got so little control over our lives. COVID has shown us that again and again. But Jesus has control. He knows exactly what 2022 will bring. It will bring whatever He wants it to bring because He has total sovereign power to do what He wants. Plus, He knows everything. 2022 will turn out exactly as Jesus has planned it to be, exactly as He's already planned it to be, just like 2021 did and 2020 did and every year has. God has this limitless power. No one ever stopped God from doing what he wanted to do. No one ever overpowered God. And God has this endless, infinite, limitless knowledge. Nothing ever happened that God didn't anticipate and know about for all eternity. Which I think is actually really comforting if you know Jesus. It's comforting to know that we're not in control, but Jesus is. It would be terrifying if you weren't in control and no one was in control. But it's really comforting knowing that Jesus, God, is in control. Jesus is in control of your life when things are going really great. And it's a comfort to know that that what's great about life comes from Him. And Jesus is in control of your life when it falls apart. And the comfort is knowing that He's at work in that for our good. He's still with us in that. It's really comforting But it's only comforting if Jesus is a good ruler. If Jesus is a cruel dictator, that would be terrifying. If Jesus has infinite, unstoppable power, no one can hold his hand back, and he uses that power for evil, that would be terrifying. You could never resist that ruler. So what sort of king is Jesus? Well, here's the second thing Bartimaeus sees. He can see that Jesus is a good king. Look at verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. He, uh, he asked for mercy because he knows that Jesus is the kind of king who will give him mercy. He knows that he's good. And the crowd are there, they're hearing him, and they don't want to hear him, and so they rebuke him to try and shut him up. Which shows you how the crowd sees the world. Jesus is there, they're following Jesus, he's got power to heal, he's got power to teach, he's impressive, he's going places, he's someone that you want to associate with. But Bartimaeus is this homeless blind guy sitting there in rags, begging. In the crowd's eyes... Jesus has lots of value. He's got little value. He's got no status. He's got no money. The crowd walk with Jesus, but they walk past Bartimaeus. Because at best, Jesus is going places at best. This guy's just a nuisance. He's just interrupting Jesus. But that doesn't stop Bartimaeus. He shouts until Jesus hears him. And when he does, look in verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And here's where you see the sort of king that Jesus is, because he stops. I said before, Jesus is walking to Jerusalem, the capital city. Uh, He's passing through Jericho. He passes Bartimaeus on the way. And his walk to Jerusalem is not just a morning stroll. Jerusalem's the capital city, and he's going there to be crowned as the king. He's going there for his coronation ceremony, to receive God's kingdom, to be installed on the throne as the son of David. That's where he's going. That's what he's walking towards. And he stops for this guy. Now, no king in the history of the world stopped their coronation ceremony for a blind beggar. Could you ever imagine a president who's just been voted in? And they're giving their address to the nation at their acceptance speech. And they pause mid-speech to climb off the podium and go and shake hands with a blind beggar. Could you ever imagine that happening? Could you ever imagine a bride on their wedding day in the beautiful white dress, walking down the aisle, and they pause to go and shake hands with a blind beggar? Jesus does that. He stops this parade of people following him. And he stops for a man that the world has rejected because he's a good king. Jesus doesn't see people the way that the crowds do. He sees reality. He defines reality. Bartimaeus is precious because Jesus made him. Jesus owns him. Jesus loves him. Jesus cares about people regardless of their status and their money and their power. He loves Bartimaeus so much that he stops for him and he loves us so much that he keeps walking because after he stops for Bartimaeus he walks through Jericho out of the city he walks to Jerusalem he walks out of Jerusalem up a hill climbs on a cross to die for us to die in our place to take the punishment that we deserve for creating our own version of reality instead of listening to God's. Uh, The punishment we deserve for valuing people God made based on completely unimportant things like their money and their status and their power and treating them as worthless when they're precious to God. Uh, He dies in our place to take the punishment we deserve for treating God like he's an optional extra, not the all-powerful God that everyone must follow and obey. And those are not small things. Those are massive things. But Jesus walks to the cross because he loves his people enough to die for them. Come back a few verses. Have a look at chapter 10, verse 32. Have a look with me. Mark 10, verse 32. Here's what it says. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. He's walking this journey to Jerusalem. He anticipates exactly what will happen to him there. And he walks every step of the journey knowing what awaits him. I think this is phenomenal that Jesus does this. He knows exactly what awaits him and he has limitless power to change it if he wanted to, but he doesn't. He walks to the cross because he loves his people enough to die for them. He's a good king. Bartimaeus can see this about Jesus. Can we see it? Because if we did... We would trust Jesus. Our world is full of leaders. And the leaders in our world are a bit of a mixed bag. Our world is full of them. And some of them let us down. Some of them, they're hard to trust our leaders. Actually, it's hard to trust most of our leaders. Partly because I think we just have this kind of anti-authoritarian thing that runs through us. But also because our leaders let us down. They're disappointing leaders. Even church leaders can be really disappointing i think the leaders in churches are better than the leaders in the world generally speaking because of god's grace at work forgiving and changing us and because church leaders live by a radically different set of standards but they're far from perfect i let people down i'm not the leader i should be but jesus is jesus is different jesus is perfect he'll never improve Because he's got nothing to improve in. He'll never be surprised by something he didn't anticipate. Because he knows everything before it happens. He'll never be outplayed by someone who has more power than him. Because there is no one who has more power than him. And I think, I love this, he'll never bail on you. He'll never abandon you just when you need him most. Uh, Because think about this, if he was going to bail on you, wouldn't Jesus bail on you before the cross? Like, that would be the point to bail on you, to stop walking to Jerusalem and to just walk to the pub instead or something like that. But he didn't do that. He took every step knowing what would happen, knowing he could avoid it, but he didn't because he's good. He's the king who stops for a beggar and he's the king who keeps walking to the cross for his enemies. Uh, I've been a Christian for 21 years now. And Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me, hands down. Uh, and if you're a Christian, wouldn't, aren't you just forever grateful to whoever it is that introduced you to Jesus? Uh, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, you're tuning in, you're here in person, I want to say to you, following Jesus is the best decision you can ever make, hands down. It will cost you. You'll lose many things for Jesus, but you will gain more than you lose And that's what happens to Bartimaeus as well. He trusts Jesus. He can see who Jesus is. And so he does something effortlessly that we all struggle to do. Have a look in verse 49. Come back to verse 49. Here's what he does. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing off his cloak... Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So what's going on here? He asks Jesus to heal his eyes and Jesus does it. Jesus gives him sight. Now, what's the first thing that you would do if you were Bartimaeus, if your eyes had just been healed? I reckon I would just stand there for hours, just looking at everything. Like, I don't know if he's been born blind or if he became blind when he was older, but looking at, like, your hands and people and the grass and and the sun, like, looking at everything, all these incredible things that you haven't seen. These things you haven't seen before, you haven't seen for years. I'd spend hours doing that. Plus, he's had years to dream of what he would do if he could only see. Wouldn't you follow your dreams? All these things that Bartimaeus has planned for and daydreamed about, the things he longs for, the things he prays for. Our dreams, our hopes, our plans, our ambitions, they're part of what define us and make us who we are but what does bartimaeus do look at verse 52 again go said jesus your faith has healed you immediately he received his sight and followed jesus along the road he drops his dreams to follow jesus it almost seems effortless for him to do what Jesus asks. To do what Jesus asked all his followers to do, actually. Keep your finger there. Come back to chapter 8. Have a look at this. Chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus is telling people what it means to follow him. Here's what he says. Chapter 8, verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. This is what following Jesus means. It means dying to your desires. It means dropping your dreams to take his dreams, giving him your life. It's finding your meaning, not in what you do, but in what Jesus tells you to do. It's finding your identity, not in you, but in Him. If you're a Christian, think about 2022. What will it look like for you to drop your dreams as you follow Jesus? It could be any number of things. It might mean that you turn down a job offer. It might mean that you break off an unhelpful relationship. It might mean that you love someone who is really hard to love, the kind of person that our world wouldn't love, but whom Jesus loves. It might mean that you don't trust money so much, but you trust Jesus, and you practice trusting Jesus by giving away lots of money. It might mean that you don't yet do the Brennnos that you planned on your home, so you can give more money to the work of God's kingdom. Or it might mean the opposite of all of those things. It might mean you take the new job with the new opportunities that come to love and serve people and stand out for Jesus in that workplace. It might mean you do the renovations and you use your home to welcome more strangers so they can know Jesus. I have no idea what it will mean for you, but it will mean something. It will mean something to drop your dreams to follow Jesus. And the comfort of this passage is that whatever you drop for Jesus, you will gain infinitely more because Jesus is a sovereign king and he's a good king. He's worth giving up everything else for. Uh, Someone said to me when I was a younger Christian, if you have Jesus, it doesn't matter what you don't have. You have what matters most. If you have Jesus, it doesn't matter what you don't have. You already have what matters most. Following him is always the good choice because he is good. It will cost you. But if you have Jesus, you'll gain infinitely more than you could ever lose. How do you keep seeing that though? How do you keep seeing that this is in fact reality? Because I forget this. Why does it take a blind man to show us how things really are? I feel like this is the kind of truth that's so clear on Sunday, but then Monday, by lunchtime, you've forgotten it. And to be honest, for me, a lot of the time, it doesn't feel like gaining Jesus is worth losing things. I reckon, to be honest, in the back of my mind, I keep this running tally of all the things that I've given up by becoming a Christian, all the things I've lost. It's just in the back of my mind. It's not front, but this running tally of all the things adding up that I've lost by becoming a Christian. I think sometimes my daydreams are more often about how I can have Jesus plus. Jesus plus money, Jesus plus status, Jesus plus a comfortable, easy life. I think my hopes too often are about how I hope to justify living how I want to live and calling it the Christian life. And I don't think I'm alone in this. But Bartimaeus can see Jesus so clearly. We struggle to do it. We need what he's got. We actually need to get the same clarity by getting it from the same source, which is the third thing Bartimaeus can see about Jesus. He can see that Jesus is a life-changing king. Because what happens when Bartimaeus comes to Jesus or Jesus comes to Bartimaeus? Look at verse 51 again, verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. See what happens here? Jesus heals Bartimaeus first, and then he follows him. His eyes are fixed, and then he follows. And that order is crucial. It's the main reason this story is in the Bible. Because it shows us, even with everything Bartimaeus can see about Jesus, he can't follow Jesus until... Jesus heals him even if we can see that Jesus is the sovereign king and that he's a good king we actually can't follow him and trust Jesus because the reality is that we are born blind not physically blind spiritually blind But Jesus, who heals the eyes of the blind man, can heal our spiritual blindness so that we can be transformed and trust in Jesus. We can never do that on our own. We can't ever trust and follow Jesus until he first causes us to see him for who he really is. That's something God does. It's only as God the Father regenerates us by the power of God the Holy Spirit that we can trust in God the Son. This is what I mean when I say Jesus is a life-changing king. I don't mean that he's like, he's like a book that you read and it was life-changing, or he's like a person that you met who gave you some great advice and it was life-changing. I mean he changes our life in a way that we could never do on our own. This is the source for Bartimaeus. He trusts Jesus because Jesus has changed his life. And the way we begin the Christian life is the way we continue. We keep turning to Jesus to let him show us reality, and we keep asking Jesus to change us so we can live his way. Every time you hear Jesus, though, you have a choice. Every time you hear Jesus, you've got a choice. Are you going to trust his eyes, or are you going to trust your eyes? Um, I've told this story before, if you've been at Salt for a while. I'm slightly colorblind. Uh, I have a mild green deficiency, it's called. So green and red look almost the same to me. Uh, it's not really debilitating. It, it only affects small things like fashion, traffic lights, which cord to cut on a bomb, you know, small things like that. Uh, it's only small stuff. Uh, and I discovered this when I went to the optometrist once, and he, he did this test with me. I, I can't remember what this test is called. Some of you have probably done this test. Uh, he showed me these cards that had numbers in these swirly backgrounds. And he asked me to say, what number can you see? What number can you see? 12. Very good. 10, 11. (laughs) Uh, Some of them had numbers, though. As he was showing me these cards, some of them had numbers, and some of them were blank. It was just swirly patterns. Uh, And we were going through, and there was quite a few. I thought that actually the blank ones were part of the test. We were going through, and there was quite a few blank ones. So after a while, I said to him, are these blank?" Like, I can't see anything on there. Is that blank? He's like, no, no, it says 12 in there. I was like, really? Like, where? I can't see that. And I had this choice at that moment. Two options, really, at that point. Do I trust my eyes, which tell me there is no number there? Or do I trust his eyes, which tell me there's a number 12 there? I had that choice. And I had to swallow my pride and trust someone else's eyes and realize that he could see better than I could. And it's the same thing for Jesus. His eyes are better than ours. He shows us how things really are. More than that, he transforms our eyes and our hearts and our minds. He's a life-changing king. And unless he gives us sight, we remain spiritually blind but he's willing to give you sight. He's the sovereign king, the good king, the life-changing king. That's who he is. So let me say as we close up, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, if you're checking out who Jesus is, do you want to see? Do you want to see? Do you want Jesus to heal your spiritual blindness so you can see reality? The reality that Jesus is your king who demands your life. Do you want to see that this truth will cost you, but you'll gain infinitely more than you ever lost? Do you want the truth that Jesus is a king like no other? That he will never bail on you? If you want that, ask for the same thing that Bartimaeus did. Ask for spiritual sight so that you can trust and follow Jesus. I hope you want that. I hope you want to see Because the sad thing is that some of us will be unwilling to swallow our pride and trust Jesus' eyes. It's been said some people are blind because they can't see. Other people are blind because they won't see. And there is none so blind as the one who won't see. Let me say to you, if you're a Christian, to close. If you call yourself a Christian, our spiritual blindness has been changed by Jesus' by his life-changing power. So keep trusting Jesus' eyes more than yours. If you have Jesus, it doesn't matter what you don't have. It's worth dropping your dreams for Jesus. So we're a week away from 2022. As you get into 2022, what's it going to look like in 2022 for you to trust that Jesus is sovereign instead of trying to seize control? What's it going to look like for you to trust that Jesus is good when your life is anything but good? What's it going to look like for you to trust that Jesus can change you when you feel trapped in who you are? And what's it going to look like for you to trust Jesus enough to drop your dreams and follow him? Let's pray and ask him to help us do that. Lord God, we thank you so much for your good son. Thank you for the son of David, the son of God, who rules your kingdom forever. Thank you that he is a good king. We pray that we would follow him, that we would willingly, happily, and joyfully drop our dreams to follow him. Help us, Lord, as we get into 2022. Help us to live for you. Help us, Lord, to commit to doing the things that will help us do that, like regularly coming to church regularly getting into your word, regularly reading the Bible and hearing and seeing reality from Jesus' eyes. And we pray this, Lord, so that you would be honored, you would get the glory you deserve from all of us in 2022. Amen.